What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, March 7th, 2021. Happy International Women's Day. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside video games editor at The Guardian and my long-lost friend, Keza McDonald. Hello, Keza! Greg Miller, as I live and breathe. It's How been a you? while. It's How good. long I'm has good. it been since, I mean, obviously pandemic notwithstanding, but even beyond that, you're, you're across the pond, as they say. When's the last time we saw each other in person? Was it a GDC? It was in 2016, a GDC. Oh, my God. So five entire years, you know, not much has happened. I had two kids in the pandemic. How about you? No, but, well, yeah, uh, Portillo 16, and yep. uh, I got the Platinum and Avengers. Those are pretty much the big things you missed in the five years. <laughs> big deal, bro. Good tonight. Yeah, it was a big deal for me, Kevin. It was a real big deal. Uh, Kez, if somebody doesn't know their Greg Miller IGN Guardian history, who are you? Uh, my name is Kez McDonald. Um, I am, as of last year, the longest standing woman in the games media in the UK. Thank you very much. Just means I haven't found anything better to do with my life, but here we are. <laughs> You're still um, waiting for somebody to pick you up for PR. <laughs> You're still waiting for that PR opportunity to come around. I would be the worst PR person in history. I have what my mother used to call an honest face. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'd just be no good at that. You'd be um, like, yeah, this game oh. sucks, but I got to come tell you about it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe that would maybe that would appeal. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I've been doing this. I've been doing this for 15 years now, Greg. 15 years, my friend. Um, I'm joking I, started, about it. I know. 15 years? But, but you're so young, Keza. <laughs> well, I ran, I ran away from school and ran, I dropped out of high school to go and become a video games journalist. You can imagine how delighted my parents were. They loved it, Just I'm sure. So happy about that. Anyway, yes, I worked on magazines for a while and then I worked at IGN for three years and then I ran Kotaku in the UK for four years. Um, and now I'm video games editor at The Guardian, which for your Americans is a, is a newspaper. Oh, we've heard of those. Okay, yes. Um, okay, although okay. obviously bigger online now, but yeah. So my job now essentially is to be kind of the translator slash ambassador slash emissary from video game world into kind of normal people's newspapers. That's explained all, explained all these old fogies what these video games are and why people yeah. what's a Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I got you. I understand. Yeah, well, it's funny though because like our online readership is like people our age, and then our print yeah. readership is literally 50 plus so it's like cool i can i can do both of those i can do both of those things how i mean obviously you've been there a bit now so it's going well but how has it been going have you seen the coverage get taken more seriously over the time you've been there yeah it's a process it's funny because i went from being in you know ign and kotaku it's like it's a big deal in video games world right yeah so you go from, you go from being a big deal so then going and working with people who've won Pulitzers and who are <laughs> like reporting on important stuff like Brexit and government corruption and COVID crisis. And you're there like video games, though. Let me tell um, you about crunch, though. All right. Let me tell you about crunch. There's <laughs> <laughs> some serious issues. No, no it's, it's good. I really like working at a newspaper because it's um, it's quite nice to have um, to be working with people who are like very, very outside of games world. Yeah, and also, yeah. um, you know, it's broadened me because I find like I got really stuck. I don't know if you can relate to this at all, Greg, but I got really stuck in like video game worlds. And I stopped like for years, I stopped kind of reading as many books or listening to as much music or doing as much other stuff as I wanted to do. And now because I only have to do like the biggest game stories or the most interesting ones, I don't have to know everything about every game ever. Sure. And that's been quite nice, especially sure. as I now have two tiny children and they're exhausting, Greg. And I'm so I don't tired. That's the thing about it. Like, you know, obviously Portillo stresses me out enough, but having uh, children and a partner and doing all the stuff, like how how has that transition been for you? Going from somebody who, somebody who did, you know, play everything and feel like you need to be on top of everything yeah. to having to learn to let go and only be able to chase certain things. 
it's hard, man. Like, yeah. I mean, it affects you like personally and professionally. You start feeling like, you know, do like, should I still be doing this? Because I can't, you know, you can't live and breathe it the way that you have to. Like, I mean, when we were working at IGM, pretty much everybody who worked there, no kids, very yeah. few commitments outside of the office, right? And so yeah. you had to, I had to learn how to like develop work life balance and also how to rediscover video games as like a player rather than um, somebody who is like so, so immersed in the, in the day to day. Sure. How do I review this? And I know this. And can I tell who wrote this and who's this voice actor? Yeah. yeah. All that. Yeah. So it's like, and I, I find it quite good. Like I had um, in the UK, we get a year off every time we have a baby, right? That's, that's the incentive. No wonder you keep having them. No wonder. <laughs> so the, first, the first year off um, was the year the Nintendo Switch came out, and I had a whale of a time because I didn't have to cover it. I just got sure. one and played Zelda for nine months and just had an amazing time rediscovering my love of games like in, in that mode without having to like constantly think, what's the angle here? Like, what's the news here? So totally. Well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's actually been really, in some ways, it's been really good. In some ways, it's helped me kind of rediscover why I loved games in the first place. And in others... I also discovered, Greg, that like there are just so many people who love games very, very much, but don't have as much time as they used to to play them. And they feel kind of shut out sometimes by how we talk about games in the games media. Oh, well, that's the biggest thing, right? I mean, and I yeah. get it. We talk about it all the time of, you know, uh, when they, they somebody announces their huge open world RPG and it's going to be 200 hours. And I'm like, oh, my God. And like, I remember, though, being a high school kid and being like, oh, my God. Yeah, sure. That's great. <laughs> I'm going to pay you $60 and I'm going to get all of this. for. And then now we're like, oh, I'm like, how long is this indie game? Oh, one sitting. Perfect. Yes. 20 bucks. <laughs> here you go. I'm all about it. Let's go. Yeah. And this is one of the things that's cool about working um, like for a newspaper as well, because you, you have the, the generational differences like most of the people that i write for are like me or older um and they have like a lot of stuff going on and they, and they can't be like as immersed as the ign reader was like i feel like if i were still working for you know one of the big games websites i would have to be like working really 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 hard to keep sure. on top of playing everything i wanted to play um which i do anyway to be honest um but you like just, you can't just leave that behind yeah that's that's part yeah, of who I you mean, are obviously yeah i love games i always love games i will love games when i'm in a retirement home playing mario kart 64 with my retirement buddies <laughs> that's, that's a basic dream for me um but yeah to be able to have a job that is just just a little bit a little bit less um kind of always on all the time is, is really really good i enjoy it but yeah there's there's just tons of especially parent gamers out there yeah who kind of really struggle to fit it into their lives and the kind of games that you know i now need in my life is is very different from what i needed when we were working at ign like what was that 10 it wasn't 10 years ago it was it was oh yeah ago. we were doing it 10 years ago yeah, yeah. We, we old greg we're very old i'm reminded <laughs> of it all the time when i see people over at ign and like even when i talk to people who like I was at IGN at the time they got hired longer than them, but then now they're there and they're like way longer than I ever was. I'm like, damn, time's weird when it keeps on moving. Yeah. yeah. But enough about that, Kezi. You need to be an expert today on the Microsoft Bethesda deal getting one step closer to being done. <laughs> Watch Dogs multiplayer getting some delays and Super Nintendo World having an opening day finally because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show at patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. You can write in with your questions, comments, concerns, everything under the daily video game sun. And of course, over on patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, you can get the show ad-free. You can get the show with the exclusive post-show we do each and every weekday, and you can get a bevy of other benefits. But if you have no bucks to toss our way on Patreon, it's no big deal. You could be watching live for free on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames as we record it, just like 
Big Slice Gaming, Wild Tunes, and Blood Wolf Reaper are. Uh, of course, if you're on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames, you have a special job. Go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, and listening on podcast services around the globe each and every weekday housekeeping for you there's a new kind of funny podcast live on podcast services and youtube.com slash kind of funny it's all about the time a parrot almost bit my eye out true story go find out what that was about you know what i mean and then i talk about pickles for a long time but we'll talk and then you see this kevin claus and pickles already thanked me for the episode so i got things going over there things are happening for us big time over here Thank you to our uh, Patreon producers at Dananobiologist, Mick Abramson, uh, Blackjack, and Trent Berry. Today we're brought to you by Logitech and HelloFresh, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news. Six items on the Roper Report. Baker's dozen. And before we even get that, we have a you're wrong. Pixelated Soul writes in and said, Greg said it was kind of funny games daily for March 7th when it is in fact March 8th. This is what I always screw up when I try to get ahead, Keza. I try to work smarter. I start the document on Sunday and I look at the calendar and I'm like, oh, I look at the little thing on my thing. It says it's the 7th. It's clearly the 7th. I don't think about it being Monday. I apologize. There you go. You know what I mean? To be honest, look, every day is the same right now as anyway, isn't it? Isn't it still March 2020? Like, who the hell knows? (laughs) The months, they they fly by. And yet, equally, they feel so slow, I want to die. But there you go. That's pandemic for you. Pandemic. Uh, Number one on the Roper Report, the Microsoft Bethesda deal has inched closer to being finalized. We start with IGN.com's Joe Scrabbles. Uh, Joe writes, Microsoft's acquisition of ZeniMax, which includes Bethesda, has taken two major steps towards completion after being approved by both the European Commission and the SEC. In the U.S., the SEC, the country's agency in charge of preventing market manipulation, published a notice of effectiveness, which acts as a declaration that a company registration has been accepted. In this case, it was accepting an S-4 registration, which marks a merger or acquisition. The European Commission, meanwhile, has provided an Article 6, parentheses 1, parentheses B decision, which approves the merger without changes or opposition. I hate trying to act like I know what any of this means. And says it, quote, does not raise serious doubts as to its compatibility with the common market, end quote. A statement from the EC reads, the commission concluded that the proposed acquisition would raise no competition concerns, given the combined entity's limited market position upstream and the presence of strong downstream competitors in the distribution of video games. The transaction was examined under the normal merger review procedure end quote. While neither approval makes the merger official and Microsoft and ZeniMax have not yet made statements, these represent major steps towards the $7.5 billion deal, which brings Bethesda Game Studios, Arcane, Machine Games, Tango Game Works, and more into the Microsoft fold. EU documents previously suggested that Microsoft was setting up a subsidiary, Vault, to complete the deal, although it's unclear if this is simply a holding business or a more formal studio's brand in the same vein as the existing Xbox game studio. Microsoft isn't actively planning Bethesda's future until the acquisition is complete, uh, but we've heard a lot about its intentions. While Bethesda and studios uh, will continue to run semi-independently, Microsoft wants Bethesda games to be, quote, first, better, or best on Xbox. Quote, if you think about something like Game Pass, said Xbox CFO Tim Stewart last year, if it shows up best in Game Pass, that's what we want to see. And we want to drive our Game Pass subscriber base through the Bethesda pipeline, end quote. Keza, a lot of words there for me to get to. 
Where are so you with this deal? Where are you with the Xbox Bethesda merger? So it, it's happening. It's happening. There's always that stage where like you have a mega merger where mm-hmm. all of the various approving bodies have to go, is this going to completely screw up the industry competition-wise? It never seems to ever do anything about it, though. Like, yeah. Almost never have I ever known there to be someone actually intervene and say, this, this isn't okay. Um, do you know what? I've, I've kind of come around on this deal. When I first heard this, I was like, oh, no. Because I have to say, like, Microsoft's buying studios doesn't always go well for those studios. <coughs> Lionhead. Um, but Bethesda's too big, right? It's too big. Like, I don't too think big to that fail. Microsoft, yeah. Like, there's no way that Microsoft could screw up Bethesda. You are cursing them by saying this. You are cursing this deal by saying I know. this. I suddenly thought, good Lord, what if I'm, like, some kind of backwards prophet? But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sold on it now. I, I spent some time talking to um, Phil Spencer about it last year when it was, like, happening. Yeah. And... I like that dude as an exec. Like feels great. Like when you when you when you talk to like I spent as as I mentioned fifteen years talking to video game execs now, and you know some of them you talk to and you're like you don't care about this game. You do care about the business, but you don't necessarily care about this as a as a like an art form or an entertainment medium. Phil really does. Yeah, and I reckon that that like his influence now at Microsoft means that you know a lot of the decisions that are being made are good for the studios and good for the game. So I've kind of come around on it. And also Todd Howard seems into it, so that's cool. So then the $7.5 billion question becomes, are these games going to be exclusive, Keza? Do you know what? I'm, I'm going to put my money down and say no, but yeah. they're going to be better and they're going to be on Game Pass for free and they're probably going to get a month or two of Head Start, I reckon. Yeah. yeah when, I, when, when, um, when I was interviewing Phil about this last year, he said, we don't need to sell them on other platforms if we don't want it. Like, we don't have to. We don't have to recoup the investment in that way. Um, but I still think, like, it would just be so unpopular for those games to be exclusive, right? Like, it would cause yeah. such bad blood, wouldn't it? We had, uh, you know, uh, Paris from the Kind of Funny X-Cast was on Games Daily with me last week, and this came up tangentially as well, and we were talking about it. I think it might have even been the post-show. And X-Cast obviously has talked about this deal so much, and Paris is very much like, you don't spend $7.5 billion to then share those things. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm an Xbox, you know, he's a fan of everything, but he, you know, he obviously a student in the Xbox game, and he's saying, like, the one thing Xbox doesn't have is games. And it's not that they don't have exclusives, but they don't have those games that when you think of Xbox, you're thinking, oh my God, I can't wait to play X, Y, and Z. And the way for PlayStation, you think of, well, Last of Us, uh, you think of Horizon, you think of the list mm. goes on and things like that, and what we saw out of the last generation. You think and, of Astro's Playroom these days, man. Oh, totally. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Come on now. You know what I mean? You know, like, nah, you know what? Japan Studio doesn't need to exist anymore, except <laughs> Team Asobi. Let's keep that going. Uh, but in this conversation too, I'm I'm there with you where I understand I you know there's been so much talk and obviously there's this rumored Bethesda Microsoft event that'll happen when this deal actually goes through. So they talk mm-hmm. about their future, they talk about what they're gonna do, and there's been the conversation we're quoting right here uh, in Joe's article from Tim over at Xbox CFO saying like, listen, they'll be on Game Pass. You're talking about when Phil was like, why would we put them on other things? Other people have said it's case by case, but there's also yeah. this conversation from uh, Xbox that. At a top level, they don't want to get in the way of what Bethesda does. And yes. I think it's not damned if you do, damned if you do, but there's pro- each there's an Achilles heel argument each way you went, where it's like if they did say, all right, cool, they're exclusive to Xbox, they're going to piss off so many people, and so many people are going to throw it back in their face when Phil was like, exclusives are dumb. I don't like how this happens, and I don't like, you know, blah, 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 and these deals that are happening. But then yeah. if you go the other way, it is this, and they, they're not exclusive, so many Xbox fans are going to be like, well, why am I not, why would I buy your console? I think that the thing, the thing is with it, like if you look at how, 
even back when Rise of the Tomb Raider was briefly exclusive, everyone hated that. Like, mm. it just, it, everyone hated it. And, and I think Phil Spencer, like, at the time was like, yeah, okay, that was a mistake, actually. And, um, you know, Game Pass is amazing. It's an amazing value thing. Like, add all Bethesda games on there yeah. for a month and free forever. That's, I mean, that's, that's like, it's, it's already such good value. And that makes it better. And, you know, I think that, like, if, if you listen to the way that both Bethesda's people and Microsoft's people talk about games at the moment, they talk about accessibility, getting more and more people playing, getting 2 billion gamers, 5 billion gamers in the world, you know, people being able to play on any screen. Like, none of that really gels for me with, also, we're only going to put these games on this one specific console that you have to buy. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it's, I mean, I do actually think that Microsoft's going to be a service soon. You know, I think yeah. that... that I think that's obviously the direction everything's been going, and like Game Pass and Xbox and Game Pass are going to become a thing you can play on anything. I think that's their point. vision, right? That seems to be what they're driving for, and that's why they yeah. seem to put it all towards Game Pass. And that's where I keep coming back to is that the Xbox we've seen for the past few years pushing Game Pass. I think this works as a feather in a cap to game pass where you run the commercial for elder scrolls you run the commercial for starfield and at the end it's like it's the xbox logo and it's a xbox game pass logo and it says play right now for 14.99 and there's so many people i think who would go to the store to buy it see it for 70 dollars on ps5 and be like wait wait a second and then you have to talk to somebody or look online and put it together that there's a service that you can get you can sign up for and you can get it that way and right there we're back to the old argument that where people bring up on the show all the time of well uh greg or gaming press or ign or whatever you know uh, reviewers no longer understand how much 60 dollars is what they used to say 70 dollars means and i'm like well then this would be put your money where your mouth is literally where it is this idea that okay cool you don't have an xbox but you probably have a computer you could you could stream it to that and i'm talking about the future of you know game pass ultimate and uh, x cloud and all that jazz your phone whatever maybe you have an old xbox one or whatever and this is that gateway drug that they want you to have they want you to look at and go oh this is cheaper so i'm gonna do it this way then you get in you're like i really enjoy this game but my experience isn't that great maybe i should look at getting a series s oh well i'm looking at series s it's only a hundred dollars more or whatever it is to get to the series x want in like it's that kind of domino effect two hundred dollars more to get the series x uh, domino effect to get you into that ecosystem and actually using it and loving Xbox. Totally, and it'll it'll work. It'll work. Like Bethesda's sure. games are, you know, super compelling. You know, what was your first? What, what was your first like big Bethesda open world RPG? What was the first one that you loved? Fallout Three. Yeah, that was my partner's too. I remember that back in the day. Yeah. Well, it was that thing of like when I came to IGN in 2007, right? It was right on the heels of Elder Scrolls and, uh, uh, you know, horse armor and all that jazz. And I was like, okay, like I, be, I remember the horse armor being a thing in the office people were talking and joking about. But I was like, I'm not into fantasy that way. And so I remember going to that E3 and getting that demo of Fallout 3 at Megaton and just being like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is mm. insane. And like, that was the deal, right? That was off to the races of being a Bethesda fan for me. Well, that game was so exciting for me because I played the old school janky ass strategy Fallout games in the 90s. I played them late. I played them like 10 years after they came out, but I loved them very, very dearly. And I happened yeah. to play them like a few months before Bethesda announced that it was reviving Fallout. And I was like, ah, this is incredible. I was so, so excited about it. But my first one was, was Oblivion because I, I got laid off from my job about three days after Oblivion came out. And I just sat in my crap shared flat and played oblivion in my pants for like three weeks <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of the time you need for a game like that um yeah 100 i read it's like oblivion's turning 15 in a couple of weeks yep yep, yep. once again yep. old, old. 
We are old. We are old. Um, But I have this theory that you get one. You get one open world Bethesda game that you love dearly and passionately and you get absorbed and you spend 300 hours on it. And then all the ones after that are just not quite as good. And it's kind of a diminishing returns thing. I'm really looking forward to like what to see what the next ones are and if it's like because i think this is this is almost universal almost everyone i know had the one bethesda game that they played forever and then everyone after that they were like i just couldn't quite get into it i mean you nail it right and i think that like that's what makes bethesda such an interesting company where there are people who are ride or die for fallout 3 or fallout new vegas or even fallout 4 i've seen it uh you know and then obviously skyrim and all these different things but i feel like you are always chasing that high of the game that got you like nobody else would whereas like i love fallout 3 and then fallout new vegas just couldn't do it for me and then fallout 4 i was like oh it's just hd fallout 3 and then skyrim was a similar thing of like oh this is cool but like this isn't like the world i want to exist in like there's yeah. all these little things that happen to it where you have that one that knocks it out of the park and then everything else pales in comparison to some regard yeah i think it's because that like that the idea of those especially 15 years ago or like even further back with um with morrowind like the idea of you being able to influence what's going on and having those random adventures like oh i climbed a mountain and found some vampires and ended up running away from you know uh, running away from a team of vampires assassins who were trying to kill me like the first time that happens you're like this is the greatest thing. this yeah. is the greatest game i've ever played and then the hundredth time it happens it just kind of it wears off a little bit it's just like, another random event in the world yeah for sure exactly yeah it's, it's funny it's it's i find it um you know breath of the wild really recaptured that kind of open world because i was done with open world games i was like i have seen i have seen enough you don't need to liberate another outpost and clear the <laughs> fog of war. And so when I, I remember when they kind of said Breath of the Wild was going to be open world, I was mild, I was disappointed. I was like, oh, can Nintendo really revitalize open world enough for me to be interested again? And yes, it turns out, very <laughs> yes, very much yes. I played that game forever, and it was great. Um, but I, I do, I do wonder how they're going to freshen things a bit with Starfield. Yeah, and the yeah. New and I think Scrolls, it's- you know, I want to see something new from them. And I think they have to know that, right? After the reaction to Fallout 4, I feel like they are like, oh, okay. Because that was the the way we all talked about Fallout 4, right? I remember, you know, very uh, uh, definitively Tim on a Gamescast asking me like, hey, like, you know, what are you expecting from Fallout and Fallout 4? And like, what would be this point? I'm like, well, uh, you know, I'm expecting the bare minimum that it's going to be a higher definition fallout three and like i want more than that i'd be happy with that but i want more and it just turned out for me personally to be that where and so then it was exactly what you're talking about where i was like oh yeah well i i have really good memories of fallout three doing this this was more just like going through the motions at times whereas i do want to see yeah starfield something completely different looks you know I mean, we say that they they have, of course, been doing different things with Fallout seventy six and Elder Scrolls Online. They've been like, oh, we're going to pivot these, we're going to pivot these to be basically forever games. Um, sure, but, just, but Fallout seventy six, come on. Apparently, it's good now. People it's keep telling th- me. That. Hey, no, I mean, it's not a talk. I've you know, I enjoyed it when it was a broken thing, where I was like, this could be good, but it's broken. <laughs> me and Blessing went back and did a, a, sa- a Saturday afternoon with it when they dropped the NPC characters that I was looking forward to, and it was that thing of like, man, I'm really enjoying this. This is really cool. But then we put it down, and it was just that I think of like, all right, I'm gonna. You know, I, it's Fallout. It's more Fallout, but it's it still feels like Fallout. Like I don't want to. I've done this before. I've had this experience before. Yeah, this is it. And the thing is, like, so I have a step, as well as my two tiny kids, I have a stepson who is 15. And um, he has, forgive me, the quite basic taste in video games. Do you tell him all the time? Is he just playing Minecraft and Fortnite? Get out of Literally, here. Literally. It's honestly, we talk about it all the time. Like, he lives with, you know, my partner is also a former games journalist. So he lives with this, like, insane collection of brilliant unusual games that he, you know, may enjoy. But he just plays the same five games and has done since he was 10. Yeah. Um, 
but I was, he was interested in Fallout 4 when it was going to come out. And he was a little bit young at the time, but I was like, do you know what? I'm going to give you this because I want you to get into like a story RPG. I just want you to get into it. Um, and he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and it did not work. <laughs> I was like, maybe because this is his first Bethesda game, maybe it'll be the one. He was like, nah, nah. And he's like, the gunplay isn't good enough. I'm like, well, I mean, fair, fair. Yeah, That's you know, funny. accurate, accurate, yeah. <laughs> Vats was included because <laughs> it's not fun Basically, to shoot. <laughs> it doesn't play like Titanfall 2, therefore... Yeah. Fair enough. I'll take it. I'll take that one. Uh, Number three on the Roper Report. Let's talk about Watch Dogs Legion multiplayer being indefinitely delayed on PC and then some other stuff on console. Uh, This is a post they put up on Twitter. DeadSec. We're excited to see new recruits in London when we launch the online mode of Watch Dogs Legion on March 9th. Before we launch, we just want to make you aware of a few things that have just come to our attention. We've identified an issue in the PC version that can cause the game, cr- game to crash for players with certain GPUs. The team is working on fixing the issue as quickly as possible, and in the meantime, we've made the decision to wait to launch the PC version until this is fixed. We will communicate uh, the new launch date with you as soon as possible. We have also identified an issue that can cause the game to crash during the tactical op. This is a mode. Uh, therefore, we have made the decision to launch that mode on Xbox, PlayStation, and Stadia on March 23rd. PlayStation 4 slash 5 will have limited in-game text chat at launch. We are working on a fix for this, which will be coming on March 23rd as well. We are committed to delivering the best experience to all players and are working diligently to address the issues outlined above. We appreciate your patience and understanding. Kez, I, I forgot all about that. Watch Dogs multiplayer was coming. <laughs> Were you waiting, yeah. waiting with bated breath for this one? You know, I actually kind of am. Did you yeah. play Watch Dogs Legion? Yeah, it didn't work for me. It was, and so, I think it's a similar thing where I loved Watch Dogs Two, and then Watch Dogs Legion. I was like, oh. I couldn't get on with the previous two Watch Dogs as I found them too kind of, you know, annoying. I think I'm just going to say annoyed. Like the tone of it was really annoying. But like, I got into Watch Dogs Legion massively because because wow. London because London. Sure, um, London baby. And also, I had that thing where I kind of got Stockholm syndrome with it because I was reviewing it and it was really broken. Yeah. So I, I was reviewing it as well. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was hella broken. Um, there was a there's a mission in it where you get to decide whether um, some like a particular character gets to live or die basically, and they, would you get to download their brain onto a computer or do you kill them? I and like that. I, was, I like that choice a lot. That was the thing is you, I felt like it was like man, and you get to you get to moments like that. I was like, oh, this is cool. But there were a few moments like that, um, and I got there, and that's quite early in the story. And the story is really weird. Like the game is really comedy. It's a comedy game, really. I mean, all of the British accents in it are about as good as your British accents. Oh, I get that. They're about that good. So yeah. like, I was like, this game is so weird. I don't understand. It's so camp. It's so weird. It's so fun. And then the story is like this kind of horrible, paranoid, techno dystopian stuff where like, it's, it's just, I find it really gross. But anyway, that point in the story where you can download someone or kill them, basically. I'm up late alone in my house for once um, playing it. And I press the, I'm like, I'm going to kill her. I'm going to, I'm going to kill her. I'm not going to let her upload herself. And I press the button and all the power in my house goes out. The Xbox dies, the TV dies. Bad the choice, Kessa. I was like, oh my God, is this some Metal Gear Solid fourth wall? Incredible. Like, and it turned out that actually what was happening is that the code was broken and it was causing such a surge of electricity in my house that every single time no. I got to the point of the mission, it would call the power out in my living room. Oh my room. God. So I kind of, the Xbox wouldn't turn on again. And they're like, um, has this just bricked my machine? It did eventually turn back on again, but I couldn't progress any further in the story. So I ended up making up my own version of Watch Dogs Legion. Nice. In which I assembled a bunch of ragtag, bizarre, queer cockneys. And we ran around fucking up London. And it was a great game that I made up for myself. So I got really into it. And that's what the multiplayer is going to be. There's going to be none of that kind of like structured 
you know, um, story stuff that I found kind of pretty, pretty variable in the game. It's just going to be running around and messing stuff up for fun in London. And I'm actually really into that. I think it could be fun. Well, hell yeah, then. Good for you. But hasn't everyone, this is it. Has, am I literally the only person? Has everyone else just moved, comprehensively moved on from Watch Dogs? I mean, Probably. I can never say that. I know I saw some of the chat going on. They were saying they, they bought the game just because they saw that they were reminded of this news or whatever. Like, I think, I, I would say, I, I'm not going off of anything. I would think it underperformed from where they wanted it to. You know what I mean? Reviews yeah. weren't amazing for it, and it doesn't seem like it had a long tail of people talking about it. Uh, but by no means would I say it was like, you know, something that like you're not, you're the only person no of course not even i've had that thing where i you know when we reviewed it i think i yeah i reviewed it and i was like oh man give me the playstation version because i had the playstation 5 uh for review as well and then i got the ps4 code like oh well playstation 5 version will be ready to launch i'm like motherfucker and so i've had that thing of like on like those days where i'm like what do i want to play and i don't know what i see it in my carousel that i could get it and it's like do i want to try the next gen and i was just like for me it was that thing of once i got the the construction worker and put a bunch of you know uh, points into leveling them up i was just flying around on my magic carpet come down <laughs> climb off it kill whatever i needed to do or sneak in do the thing get on it fly away it's just like it, that the, the idea of passing it around is cool i think but like once i found people who could kind of break the world where they'd yeah. be like trying to get me and then i just fly away and they're like oh fuck he's gone like all right this well. is it. like the, the, yeah. but there were so many different ways to break the world because the game was so variable like, yeah. There were so many different ways that you could break it, but I found that quite interesting. And I, I just really enjoyed the, um, I enjoyed collecting people. It's basically Pokemon, but for Londoners, for me. Sure, sure. That's and fair. I, 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 enjoyed, I enjoyed the hell out of that. I thought it was okay. a funny-ass game as well. I thought it was really funny, mostly because of the stuff I was doing in it. Um, but yeah, I think if, like the second I started, stop, the second I stopped engaging with the story, which I, which was uh, the second I just completely started making up my own fun. I had a great time, and again, that's what I hope the multiplayer is going to be like. Also, I just love that London. It was a really good London. They it did do a really, really good job well. with London, and that was yeah. the thing. I think it's one of the reasons. It's probably similar to why I think you're into it. Like I thought, Watch Dogs Two did such a good job with San Francisco, mm. where it was driving, and they would have like, oh my god, like that is the gas station that's you know a block up from Ocean Beach. Like I know that gas station. Like that's awesome yeah. that it's there. And the music was great as well. Like it was like proper London music. I just thought it was a lot of it was good. That's proper London part. music. You guys got to hear about Taylor Swift, all right? Because there's just like <laughs> that music stunk. It stunk up the whole time. The talk radio it, was, it wasn't. Content Contextualized, at least at launch, I don't know where it is now, where I just oh, hear the man. same thing over and over again. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, I always I was really hoping that um, GTA might do GTA London again at some point. Mm, yeah. Um, I'm not sure it ever will because, like, fundamentally, GTA is an American satire and everyone who makes it is basically an honorary American now. And, like, I don't know what they'd even do with London. Although, given how messed up everything has become in the United Kingdom, perhaps there is enough satire for Rockstar to have a lot of fun with it now. We'll see what, yeah, we'll see what Watch Dogs <laughs> or what uh, Rockstar will do from there on out. Um, first off, I want to give a shout out to uh, Nanobiologist. Of course, everybody knows him as uh, a Your Wrong contributor. But in the chat, uh, Shadu Fox said, Taylor Swift is overrated. And I went to time out Shadu Fox, but Nanobiologist beat me to it. So there you go. All right. There's some rules to the kind of funny games chat. All right. We won't stand for this Taylor Swift slander. <laughs> Let's move on. Number three, uh, Super Nintendo World has an opening date in Japan. This is Marie de la Sandre over at GamesIndustry.biz. Universal Studios Japan announced that its Nintendo theme park, Super Nintendo World, will finally be opening on Thursday, March 18th. Super Nintendo World is based in Osaka, and its opening was delayed several times due to the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Meanwhile, as we talked about last week, the U.S.'s Super Nintendo World, set to open in Universal's upcoming Epic Universe Park in Orlando, Florida, has been delayed to 2025, the Orlando Sentinel reported. Construction was delayed due to COVID-19 and has only just resumed, Universal said. It was initially scheduled to open in 2023. Keza, are you excited to one day go to Super Nintendo World, and how long do you think that'll be till you get to go? I go, and also, by the way, brilliantly, someone upstairs has just started drumming which I've never heard happen before. I've literally never heard this happen before ever, ever in this office, but but here we are. So please enjoy the uh, the, the beat now to my contributions. It's a, kind of funny, still a garbage truck on fire. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Everybody rolls with it. We're cool. But the one time, anyway, um, I got an email about this a few weeks ago saying, do you want to come to Japan for the opening of Universal Studios? I'm like, where, how? Like we're in a, how, how, like would I have to quarantine for two weeks? Because I would have, Greg. I would have quarantined for two weeks in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> be permitted to go to the Nintendo World. I am looking forward to it immensely. The next time I'm allowed to go to Japan, especially with my kids, who yeah. you know are currently resolutely opposed to video games, but who I will win over. That's how, how old are these children? Okay, they're four and one. Okay, well, um, the one-year-old so has an excuse. The, the four-year-old, I tried, like, when he was about two and um, Let's Go Pikachu came out, I was like, you're going to like this. It's colorful. It's cute. I'll just put this on. Um, it, it became known as No No Pikachu in my house and every time i put it on i just got no no pikachu and so that was that wow um and then you know i tried with mario recently i tried with mario 3d world and it was like not happening for us at all he just he just he just hates it so i will brainwash him sufficiently thank you okay good because this is the nightmare that one day jen and i have kids and this kid's like you know it's like saturday morning and i'm like you want to come play a game They're like no let's go play soccer let's go out let's go outside and do that mom wants to go on another hike and i'm like oh God. Well, the, I think the amusing thing is when you have a kid who's super into games and plays games all the time, but just plays completely like games that are so opposite to your taste, like my stepson. So I've got that, yeah. and then I've got two tiny ones. One of whom you're being is, tested. You're being tested. Yes, I think <laughs> th- th- maybe this is payback <laughs> for my own parents having to tolerate my video gaming for all those years, and even now. Because speaking of paying it back, how about I pay some bills with sponsors, Greg? Way. Uh, remember, you can go to patreon.com slash games to support the show, get on the show, uh, be a Patreon producer, all that jazz. You could also go there to get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, Greg Way, you're not on patreon.com slash games. so I'm going to tell you about our sponsors. We'll start with Logitech. Gaming headsets are important. You want a headset with a good mic, good sound, and a headset that feels comfortable to wear. That's what's best about the G733 wireless gaming headset from Logitech G. The G733 Lightspeed Wireless Gaming Headset comes with 2.4 gigahertz wireless connectivity, front-facing dual-zone light sync RGB, Blue Voice uh, mic technology, Pro G audio drivers, and multiple colorways to choose from. It also has total freedom with up to 20 meters wireless range with Lightspeed Wireless. Uh, you can keep playing with more than 29 hours of battery life. Play wirelessly on PlayStation 4 with stereo sound. With front-facing dual-zone light sync RGB lighting, you can personalize your headset lighting across style and comfort. The reversible suspension headband is designed for the ultimate comfort during long play sessions. Uh, Each G733 colorway has its own unique headband design. There's also soft dual layer memory foam that conforms to your head and contours around the jaw for a better seal, uh, reduced stress points, and delivers longer lasting comfort. It's available in multiple colorways, each with their own vibrant reversible headband and corresponding ear pads. Uh, For a limited time, Logitech G is offering our listeners express shipping at logitechg.com. Use the code KINDAFUNNYDAILYFREESHIP38 for express shipping today. For all Logitech G products with the promo code kind of funny daily free ship 38 
Hurry now, since the promo code expires in three days. Our second sponsor is HelloFresh. Uh, what is HelloFresh? With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh lets you skip the trips to the grocery store. It makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh cuts out stressful uh, meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get your dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. With more than 25 recipes to choose from each week, there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts experts to ensure del- deliciousness and simplicity. Kind of funny, of course, loves HelloFresh. Joey uses it all the time. Kevin's on the HelloFresh train, and even I, I, I wrote this ad last night. I was like, wait, I, even I, Greg Miller, have used it before. Of course, you know, I love cooking, but I also like the idea of just picking the menu, and then on Tuesday night, you open the fridge, you're like, oh, I'm going to make these quesadillas, and it's all right there, and it's all prepackaged. You go to write down, and you're done. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 12 games and use the code 12 games. That's one, two for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash 12 games and use the code 12 games for 12 months. Nope. 12 free meals, including free shipping. It's highly encouraged. This is what you should be doing. It's America's number one meal kit. Kezza, let's get to number four on the Roper Report. It's my favorite subject, Marvel's Avengers continuing to shit the bed. Uh, we talked about it last week, this dumb fucking idea they had that they were going to make it hard, longer to grind it to level 50 to get all the skill points to have the thing. It doesn't matter. They explained more of it on Reddit. Uh, currently, as you get to higher levels, the XP required between levels didn't scale well, and your ability to crush enemies certainly does speed up at higher levels. So you could end up leveling up two to three times per mission, with missions taking about 10 to 20 minutes in in length. So what's the problem? This is great, you might say. The problem we were seeing and hearing was that you would immediately get more skill points than you had time to review, apply, and get used to before embarking on your next mission and gaining your next few levels. Hopefully you can see the issue here. We want people to level up. In fact, we really want to see more people level up more heroes, as playing the full Avengers roster should be the most fun thing you can do. But we don't want the leveling up experience to be too overwhelming or diminish exploring each skill purchase. So we smoothed out the higher level curves to make it so you were less likely to ding level up more than once or twice per mission at the higher end. There is so much variety. There is so much variability uh, in how quick you can gain XP, level types, uh, mission selection, etc. But the end result of of our tuning uh, was meant to add around 3 to 5 hours to reach maximum level in total. This means leveling at a steadier pace uh, once you hit... Set a steadier place around every two to four missions in the upper end. We consider this a way to achieve clear ding thresholds and more time to engage uh, with and enjoy the skill purchase. We also turn the game to make uh, early leveling slightly faster, giving players more advantage uh, against enemies when first starting out and hopefully making them feel more like a superhero faster. Uh, lastly, more powerful enemies will grant additional XP and make them more rewarding to take down. Uh, so Keza, did you see this last week, this Avengers thing? Do you even pay attention to any Avengers news? I, a, little, a little tiny bit. Um, okay. One of the reasons it, it's difficult for me to get people at my newspaper to take games seriously is because of phrases like clear ding thresholds. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, right. Ding thresholds. Yeah, 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 It's a good one. Uh, I was so, super... F- Sorry, go ahead. I, right, okay. So what is the right amount of leveling up in an online it's, game? This is my question for you. It's fine where it is right now, Keza. There's no need to adjust this. This is them missing the mark, and I don't... I, I don't buy their whole thing here of like oh well you know we don't want you to be overwhelmed with skill points like what we're talking about right now is the fact that this game's audience is so small in such a dedicated people like me on play avengers subreddit that 
No one's overwhelmed. They understand what's going on. Like, no, I, I don't. They're like, well, we've heard it from you. Who have you heard from? Who has been saying that they are overwhelmed in skill points and don't understand how to use them? Your first hero, maybe, but then if you sat there and figured it out, you'd figure it out. And then from there on out, you're going to know what you do. Like, I, as I was saying last week, right? Like, we're talking about two different things of reaching level 50 with your character, which gives you all the skill points. And then there's power level, which is a completely different thing, kind of like Destiny Light. Like, I, this when they crank this up and make it longer to diff, like I, I already know that I don't like Hulk I'm not going to go in and take Hulk to 50 but if I did want to do that or maybe he gets better on the the later uh, uh, skill points why would you hide it why would you make it more complicated why are you trying to stretch out the amount of time people are playing it's it's this isn't one of their problems I you know I'm doing a whole blessing show right now I'm in the middle of writing it and recording it about <laughs> what Avengers needs to fix this is not one of them this is leave this alone this has nothing to do with anything so this is one of the things that was not wrong with the game. No. And now they're ma- making it wrong with the game. Yeah, and it's that thing of like to come out and talk about this as if this was going to be good news. Like everybody's mad cuz you're not talking about where any of the content is. You know what I mean? We get we get we get Hawkeye and PS5 next week. That's great. But that's still months later than it was supposed to be. Like well, don't don't come out with this stuff. And then it also steps on this, that good news they tweeted today. Uh, live your superhero dreams with customizable harm rooms on March 18th for all platforms. Give yourself a challenge or feel the power of wiping out hordes of enemies. It's all in your hands. And they showed this video that specifically talked about PC, but it says all platforms, of you being able to make your own harm room challenges. It's like, why? That's good news. Why would you, why would you come out and step on the rake with this? Why would you come out and talk about this? Why are you changing the way you're leveling? That. So is there, do you think, like, why, why would they be trying to keep everyone playing longer? Well, the argument, of course, there's two. There's twofold. Number one, there's the fact that they just don't have end game content. So I think it is this there's idea of <laughs> like you, yeah, just nothing for you to do. We just going to keep you busy for longer. But like you say, everybody who's playing this game, who's into it, right? They're surely already at a level where this is like fairly relevant. Yeah. So it's like I don't understand what that is. The other takeaway, since why would you do this? And also, there's the why would you do this? And then there's also the this doesn't really apply to me, like I'm saying. I've already leveled up the heroes I want. I guess Hawkeye will take me longer when he drops this week or whatever. Then there's this undercurrent of, are they are they planting the seeds for free-to-play? Are they doing a thing here so that when they do, if they have the plan to switch to a free-to-play model at some point in the next year, that this would be a way to keep people around longer and have them do it and have an influx of players that you could then keep invested in the ecosystem longer? That's a possibility. That's a strong possibility, a very yeah. strong possibility for any live service game right now that is not already free to play. Now, speaking of live services game, let's jump over to number five on the Roper Report. We have an update on the Division 2. Uh, they posted an infographic and blog post over there, but I'll jump into it. We want to take a moment to thank you, agents, for your continued support and passion for the games we create. The release of Warlords of the New York expansion in March 2020 saw the highest monthly active users for the Division 2. Uh, As announced a few weeks back, we have begun work on new content for The Division 2. The development of this content will be led by a group of project veterans at Ubisoft uh, Massive. We are also excited to announce that the new content will be made with the support of a talented group of developers at Ubisoft uh, Bucharest. That's not how you say that. Bucharest? 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 Did I say that? Okay, good. I'm pretty sure. Uh, in the next major update, we are looking to br- bring a game mode that is entirely new to the franchise. Along uh, along with the game mode, uh, we are investigating new ways to progress your agent with an emphasis on increasing build variety and viability. We will be revealing more about that and what lies ahead as the update gets closer. The development of this new update is still in its early stages and will uh, take several months to complete. As a result, our next major update is currently scheduled for to release in late 2021 at the earliest. Uh, we will be taking this time to make sure we bring a meaningful change to the game. Uh, 
While we're hard at work on the next content update, we will rerun previous seasons during year two. In other words, the next season, season five, will be a rerun of season one, giving you the chance to collect rewards and collectibles you might have missed out on. This also means there will be uh, regular leagues and global events for you to participate in. On top of rerunning seasons, we will continue to support the game with new apparel events and some minor title updates focused on game health. Here's what we're talking about, Keza. Night and day from Avengers. Because Division 2, talking to its audience and explaining what's going on so that it's understandable. They were very clear, right, with the success they just solved the last uh, season that, hey, a lot of you played this, so we are going to do more. But we weren't planning to do more. We already announced that this was going to be the end. So the fact that we're doing more means we're going to do it, but it's going to take time. Just say that. Yeah, this is the thing. Ubisoft is amazing generally at communication with players and also really good at understanding why people actually like its video games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I really, it's, it's strange to me, like how there seems to be quite a lot of publishers who don't seem to understand why anybody's playing. Like what is that the people really, really love about it. I think like the Ubisoft's approach to Assassin's Creed and the division shows, they do actually understand why people like these games and listen, which is hugely yeah. useful. I'm worried I'm being haunted by this drummer. Like, it's the ghost of it's some... It's fine, don't worry. No. Some murdered drummer from somewhere upstairs in here. I mean, that'd be cool if you had a drumming ghost. I yeah, mean, I mean, at least, at least it's not in my head because you can hear it. So I Yeah, exactly. Know. You're right. It's, I'm, a, I'm it's not, not a banana finally, phone. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not finally it, losing my mind. It's no, not, no, like, fine, super loud. Just a heads up. Good. But you can hear it, right? Kevin, I'm not crazy, too, right? You didn't <laughs> implant this thought in my head, right? Oh, I mean, we can hear it, but it's... Yeah, it, it's not loud at all. It, it, the it thing from my... I can Not loudly, but I can hear enough of it. But the problem is I, I think it's getting cut out at times. So he just sounds like a really bad drummer. Because yeah. it sounds like, like, boom. <laughs> boom. You know, like, he's like... Like, it's like it's, he's never seen drums before. He broke into steel from it, saw the drums, and now he's using them a little bit. Where would there be drums in an office building? Where and why are my questions... Well, I mean, for the record, like your office building, it looks like you're in like the basement of a school, you know, like, I mean, it looks like you've got that white wall thing, that little electrical deal over there. I've got the Kallax. I've got the Kallax. you got to have a Kallax. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> there's there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of questions about what building you're in over there. Uh, I have, I have, I have, a, to sh- I have something to share with you about the Division 2. Wait, on me. This, this, this is a phenomenon that happens. So I played that game when I was pregnant. Sure. And therefore, I played it for, I must have played it for 20 or 30 hours, and I have no memories of it whatsoever. Because Do you blame the pregnancy or the game? Is, well, maybe a bit of both, but I do think it's primarily the pregnancy, because I had the same thing first time I was pregnant. I basically forgot, like, six of, the, of that nine-month period. Just forgot. It's just, like, not in my brain at all. Because your wow. hormones are such that you basically, basically the hormones take over your brain, and they're like, Okay, so we're busy right now. We're like, today we're making a kidney. So what you get, you get maybe, <laughs> you get maybe like 20 to 30% of your brain capacity that you can use for stuff that you need. And the rest of it, we're just, we're just, we're busy right now. You know, this is all yeah. just, shh, shh. so it's kind of like getting demoted inside your own brain from like general manager to just sort of like huh. regional manager of your own brain. So you, and I find that like, I, I just forgot, like there's a lot of games I played both times when I was pregnant, that I played for a long time and just whole ass forgot about like i can't remember anything at all about my experiences with division two same thing happened with stardew valley first time around like isn't this like i've heard i've only ever heard of this with like the actual act of giving birth where your body (laughs) gives you so much like uh, different things and dopamine so like when you're on the other side of it you're like oh that wasn't that bad even though you sadly that i remember (laughs) 
<laughs> you should have been playing division during it. <laughs> it's partly the uh, it's it's partly sleep deprivation as well. Like you don't remember the first few months after having a baby because of sleep deprivation. Like your brain sure. needs four straight hours of sleep to lay down memories. Without four straight hours of sleep, your brain can't do nothing. So as a result, you you just forget about the early days. But yeah, I find I also played um, most of Bloodborne when I was pregnant first time. Don't don't remember that. Guy. I had to play it again. I had to play it sure. again later because I couldn't remember it at all. It's just very. It's a very strange. Well, you're film. a big Souls fan though, so that must have been fun to come back to. I mean, yeah, it was it was hardly a hardship to play Bloodborne again, right? Yeah. Like, also, there's a lot of like really weird stuff about about birth and female bodies in that game. That was it's really not a great pregnancy game. There's a lot a of really scary shit in there. Uh, a friend of Jen's described watching his wife's uh, uh, his wife give birth as like a bloodborne thing. <laughs> yeah, it, was like, it was worse than anything I've seen. It's some gothic shit. It's some real. Yeah. It's, it's some real horror movie stuff. I would say. Um, but yeah, so I did. I did play the Division Two. I'm, I'm sorry, Division Two. I just I just can't remember. Come you. back. Kind of, we just came back. We just did a whole bunch of stuff. We loved it. Yeah. I mean, well, there you go. Now there's new things. New things I can exactly. Look into. Tons of new stuff. Yeah, you missed a whole bunch of seasons. You get your manhunt. Find out what's going on with people. I won't spoil the final one because it's, it's it's a story beat, let me tell you. Uh, number six and final on the Roper Report. Looks like you're getting a Tomb Raider collection. This is Gabe Gerwin over at GameSpot. Players who haven't yet experienced the rebooted Tomb Raider trilogy will apparently be getting a new option very soon. Listed before ta- being taken offline, the Tomb Raider Definitive Survivor Trilogy will bundle all three games together in one pit package. According to the Microsoft Store listing, which now gives an error message, the bundle will be out on March 18th. It contains Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider. All three games are also readily available, are already available, I should say, on PS4 and PC, though Rise of the Tomb Raider was initially not released on PlayStation, with Microsoft publishing the game and holding console exclusivity for nearly a year. Where, uh, Keza, uh, did you like the Tomb Raider uh, trilogy? Did you, did you get into this at all? Uh, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Loved the yeah. first reboot. I thought it was, it, I mean, it had its issues, but I thought it was really, really good. One of the things I really appreciated about that game is that once you'd finished doing the kind of uncharted bit where you did the story, every single level of it turned into a really amazing kind of multi-level puzzle arena, which, you know, that's what Tomb Raider kind of was to me, was, was really a sort of adventure puzzle game. And so yeah. having that kind of the cinematic, the cinematic level where you, you know, you're funneled along and you have the right enemies to kill. But then after that, every level was new again suddenly. Um, I thought it was really clever. Uh, and then the second one I liked. And then the third one was rubbish. The third yeah. one I think had like, I think it's pretty, it's pretty out there that it had a pretty troubled development. Yeah, that was the one that and, got shipped off to Canada, right? That the, you know, yeah. Crystal didn't work on it because they were already spinning up Avengers. So that was where that was going. But yeah, I'm in the same boat where I loved the uh, original reboot. The second one I enjoyed and I liked the open world stuff they did, like op- contained open world yeah. stuff they did. And the then, wilderness yeah. stuff was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then three, I booted and played for a bit and I was just like, ah, oh, this ain't, this ain't hitting. And it wasn't like, fidel- at the time for the review copy I was on on an Xbox, it wasn't like looking good either. I was just like, all right, I'm out of here. It's weird because like, you know, you, you do things like discover and like the third one, it was just, you discover an ancient like civilization that had been undiscovered for hundreds and hundreds of years. But obviously the old lady in the square had a bunch of guns for you to buy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You know, it just it just stank to me of like this game. Clearly, they made all the scenario. They're like, oh, this is you know often how things work when games have trouble development. They've made all the assets, so like all the levels have been made essentially. And then they, if 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 something's gone wrong, they have to figure out a way to kind of use all of those environments and, and glue that was it all together and cobble it the, together. It really felt like it didn't work. The bummer of the third one, I thought, of like not being engaging and keeping around, was that it had a cool story start, where it was that like 
Lara kind of made the thing happen or was part of like what made the thing happen, the disaster. Hmm. And so then there was this conversation of like, listen, your hubris did this. Like you are bringing, you're part of the problem. And I wanted to see where I was going, but I just, it wasn't. It didn't go anywhere, mate. I can tell you I finished that game. It yeah. did not go anywhere. Yeah. Now this is one of the things that was annoying as well, because they started like, again, you know, video games development. It started off with, with this, this intention of rebooting Lara and making her like more of a person rather than a pinup or a, you know, action heroine kind of one dimensional character. And like, like every woman of my generation, I had a bit of a thing for Lara Croft because she was all we had. She was it. So that was that. So I was pleased to see, you know, them try and make Lara more of a character. Um, And some moments I think in the first game, especially really worked. And I kind of felt like, oh, this is is a cool version of Lara. Like I'm I'm into this version of Lara. Um, And then in the second one, it was just like, she's a badass. That was basically the story. And then the third, the, third, the third one, I really was looking for some conflict. But again, I think like clearly what happened there was that it, one game, they, they had an idea for what story of the game was going to be. And some of it was made that way. And then something went wrong. And the rest of the game had to just kind of be made. Fit into that world. Yeah. yeah, it just had to fit together. Um, so like there wasn't much consistency in the story. And it made Lara Croft kind of boring. And I was like, how do you make Lara Croft? Well, it's actually quite impressive to make Lara Croft boring. <laughs> you achieved um, something that I didn't want you to achieve, but you yeah. did it. So congratulations. Just, and it, there, was, there was a point where I was like running around in that game, in the late game. And I was wearing this like Mayan feather thing like dress and shooting dudes with bows and i'm like this is so weird and wrong like what is happening here (laughs) like at what point did this game become so confusing and confused so yes i will be looking forward to playing the first two of those games again the third one i am probably not going to touch no matter what trilogy it's on i'm probably never playing it again greg well because i'm excited to see what happens when they reboot tomb raider yet again but that is so far away if i wanted something more immediate say what came to the mom and grop shops where would i go hold up hold up Hold up. I'm holding. We're Hold holding. You're, you're getting your notes out? Is that what's happening? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The notes. Where are they? I, you're, the, you're official the, list, the, <laughs> the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show hosts each and every weekday. Yeah. Out today, Noble Armada, Lost Worlds on Switch, and believe it or not, that's it. Then new dates for you. Wow. Monster Hunter Stories 2 is coming to Switch on July 9th, and then and that's worldwide. Uh, Brutal Survival Game Rust is coming to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One in spring 2021. Keza, we ask people watching live on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames to go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Tell us what we screw up as we screw it up. I don't think we screwed it up, but Ignacio Rojas provides more details. Oblivion officially turns 15 on March 20th. So right around March, the corner there. Yes, a that's how weeks, old we are. A couple of weeks, yeah. 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 I mean, Pokemon turning 25 spun me right out, Greg. I don't know about you. But like that was, I was just very distressed at the idea of Pokemon being 25. Like that's, that's just not acceptable information to me. I feel like I'm going to crumble slowly into dust. Yeah, what's, I guess what's disturbing about that is that Pokemon, Pokemon was always something that Michael Bryan's little brother was really into. And so the fact that like that's how old I am, that it wasn't even something I was into, but another kid, I, we, you know, the young kid, and the, uh, I don't want to, don't even think. Oh, about this, it. this kind of it for me, like, like I was eleven when Pokemon came out in the UK, so like right at the top end of how old you kind of need to, like, you know, if I'd been any older than that, I probably would have been, or thought I was too cool for Pokemon, I would have been wrong. Sure, um, you would, you would have been wrong. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, it was a bit of a, I mean, twenty, twenty-five. 
I don't like to think about it. I don't like to think about it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting ready to end the show here, of course. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash games to get the post show Kez and I will do. Of course, you can go over there to ask us questions, be on the shows, be a Patreon producer, so on and so forth. Uh, of course, you get the games cast early. You can watch it live as we record it. There's so many different things going on over there. However, if you're going to stick around at twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames, uh, Nick, Andy, Snowbike, Mike are up next to play some games for you. You can get that on youtube.com slash kind of funny plays. Uh, before we go, let's run through this week's hosting uh, uh, roster. Uh, tomorrow it'll be me and Gary Witta for a Witta Wednesday on a Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday it'll be Blessing and Janet Garcia. Thursday it's the return of Tim Tam. It's Tim Gettys and GameSpot's Tamor Hussein taking the reins. And then Friday it is me with Irrational Passions, Alex O'Neill. Very excited for that. Keza. Of course, you're sticking with us for the post show. You're coming over to Patreon. Uh, but if somebody's not coming over there, where can people keep up with you? Please follow me on the Twitters. That's where I do most of my work stuff. I'm at Keza McDonald. Um, I have a, I have like some stuff I've been doing. I did a podcast. I did a comedy podcast called Extra Life with a bunch of yeah, it's it's with a bunch of British um, comedians and famous people and Charlie Brooker, Mr. Charlie Brooker. Okay. Um, of Black Mirror fame, um, where we interview people about their life in games. Um, and I do it with my friend Ellie, who is a comedian and much funnier than me. It's really a good listen. I was super pleased with that. I also have another podcast that's been on hiatus for a while, but is coming back. It's called Spawn Point, and it's for parent gamers. <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> we don't have any damn time, and that's why it's been on hiatus for a year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny how that works, right? It's yeah, funny how it that is, works hand in hand. It is. It's on brand. It's a very on brand fuck up for me that I've managed to not put out any new episodes of the stages, but it is coming back. It's coming back. And okay, I also okay. have a book about Dark Souls. I've got a book about Dark Souls called You Died. I think it's quite good if you like. We're going to talk about that in the post show. That Lucid Dream oh, wrote in about that. So I want to, yeah, we'll get in there. Don't worry about that. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Remember, each and every weekday, we run through the video game news. You know, youtube.com slash kind of funny uh, games, uh, roosterteeth.com, podcast services around the globe. We're going to patreon.com slash kind of funny games for a post show right now. But until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.